0: In 1960, the Brave and the Bold featured the first appearance of the Justice League of America. This past week on Batman, the Brave and the Bold on the Cartoon Network, the Justice League formed again, but this time just a little bit differently. We're going to be talking about Justice League Side descending right after this. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for another discussion of Batman, the Brave and the Bold. Matthew is here. Hey, Matthew. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> very, very good. Dark Side Descending. You had mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we saw um, Mantis, and then again when we saw Calabac and the question uh, in the last airing of uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold. You oh, were I thought for
1: a moment you were talking about Mantis with Carl Lumbly and that no, no, really no. awesome exoskeleton.
0: No, 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 not that version of Mantis. You were oh. wondering, though, if we were going to see a Dark Side episode, and sure enough, yeah. it built up to the Dark Side. Do you like taking those little first segments like they did in Starro? And expanding it into a full story.
1: I really do. I really like the way the Starro thing is built because I saw them out of sequence. I saw a Starro episode and I'm like, whoa, wait. Right. And then I saw, you know, a week later, I missed it. And then like three weeks later, I came back in and there was another Starro sequence and it right. got to the point where I think for half the season, they built to the battle with Starro. It was just fascinating. It was really the way they should be using the teasers in my mind, you know, something that builds to something bigger. Yeah. I kind of like that too. Yeah. I love the teasers and the way that you're allowed to actually have two or sometimes three team ups per episode. Yes. But I really like the way it built, you know, this one, for instance, built directly off of that question episode a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. That was, mm-hmm. that was really
0: cool. Yeah. Before we get into that part, dark side, uh, what is it? Dark side descending. Let's That's talk about the uh, the role in the pre-show, the uh, the backup feature, the the what do you, what would you call this? A preview feature? Whatever um, call
1: it. I I think it's a, it's like a leaded. cartoon.
0: All right. So this time it features um, Killer Frost and Firestorm. Now what's interesting about Firestorm in this incarnation that we're seeing in Batman: The Brave and the Bold Firestorm. is we're, we are seeing Ronnie Raymond. But instead of the young scientist, Ronnie Raymond is the coach in this case.
1: Well, Ronnie was never a scientist. Ronnie was always a dumb jock. Oh, okay. I won't say a dumb jock, but Ronnie was always sports-oriented. Okay. And even in that first episode, you know, they they really played off the dichotomy between Ronnie kind of being, you know, the action guy and Professor Stein being this deep-seated thinker. And I think that eventually both characters went to the extreme. Right, but uh, I kind of like Ronnie as as Coach Cleats,
0: <laughs> with
1: with Jason as the thoughtful, you know. Uh, and this see, is him teaching chemistry.
0: <laughs> and yes, that was the that was a great line. And pretty soon he goes in and scores for the touchdown, and thus thereby cool forming of, a the cool bond. bond. <laughs> well, see, that's the interesting thing about both Ronnie Raymond and the character of Killer Frost is that they're both a combination. of... Of or amalgamation of the previous characters. So in the past we've had Ronnie Raymond and Martin Stein, and then we've had what is it? Martin Stein and Jason Rush uh, forming to form the uh, what the most current version of Firestorm. Jason,
1: Jason Rush could merge with anyone in the Firestorm matrix, and eventually he discovered that I believe it was killing people.
0: Mm, okay,
1: and he finally had to merge. He ended up merging with Professor Stein to become the Firestorm. But right now, in Brightest Day, Ronnie and Jason merge to become Firestorm.
0: Which is kind of cool, which kind of brings it all back together. Now, Killer Frost, here's the interesting thing about this. In this episode, or in this lead-in episode, um, Ronnie is the teacher. Well, the very first uh, Killer Frost, known as Crystal Frost, who appeared in Mm -hmm. 1978, actually was studying to be a scientist under Martin Stein. So we've got that... Uh, same kind of reference to a teacher-student relationship, and then something going wrong, and she's okay. transformed into Killer Frost. They do, however, mention in this episode specifically that Killer Frost is Louise Lincoln. Right. Now, uh, Louise Lincoln was, I guess, a friend or a—I uh, believe
1: she colleague. was a uh, Crystal Frost's colleague or yeah. um, a research assistant, perhaps. Right,
0: and. What ends up happening is because Crystal Frost died or Killer Frost died, mm-hmm. um, she always swore revenge against Firestorm. And so in this mm-hmm. episode, we start to see that, again, the merging of the two histories, a Silver Age or a, not really a Silver Age, but a modern Bronze age and, for sure. and a Louise uh, Lincoln versions, the 70s and 80s version, kind of meld together, together to create this version of Killer Frost in this episode. What did you yeah. think of her characterization?
1: Uh, it was an interesting extension of what we've seen before. Uh, for me, Killer Frost is really only notable anymore for the arc uh, during Crisis on Infinite Earths, where the, the psycho pirate switched her hatred of Firestorm and turned it into love. Ah, okay. And for like the first five episodes or issues of Crisis, Firestorm, Killer Frost, Cyborg, and the rest of those guys had to fight together. And it was really creeping Ronnie out to have Killer Frost, you know, being all huggy-kissy on him. Yeah.
0: Now, what's kind of interesting, if people are looking for ties back to other incarnations of um, DC Animated Universe, Killer Frost in the Animated Justice League series was voiced by Jennifer Hale, and Killer Frost rep- uh, is in this uh, Batman Brave and the Bold, Brave and the Bold, I need to get my uh, words out, is also voiced by Jennifer Hale. So there's a little tie-in right there, which is kind of interesting because i I was really surprised that they brought back voice actors and actresses in this series that have played the parts in other series because they haven't done that before. Because if they really wanted a really good question, they should have yeah. used the one from Justice League uh, Unlimited,
1: Jeffrey Coombs, Jeffrey
0: Coombs, the uh, the guy from the uh, Reanimator series that most people know him from or as the blue uh, alien from uh, the Star Trek Voyager series.
1: For me, he'll always be Wayun from Star Trek Deep Space Nine.
0: Okay, Deep Space Nine. I forgot that he was in that one. That's that's. Uh,
1: yeah, he was in that extensively in the six and seven seasons, and Wayun yeah. was always this incredibly obsequious and pusillanimous okay, character okay. that the founders just want the best for you, and now you want to punch me in the face just because I'm talking. So I sound a this, bit like James Mason.
0: This episode finds uh, the Justice League reforming uh, up on the, in the satellite area. Essentially, we are not kicking off the satellite area of the Justice League because at one point it's mentioned, hey, should we be doing this again? And that the satellite has been in orbit for a long time. In fact, this version of the Justice League satellite appears to be the very first version that appeared in uh, Justice League of America number one. What is it? One ninety five. No. Right. Uh, no, I'm sorry, sorry, 78. Of America, I guess 78 from uh, yeah. 1970 is what? right after thinking. the Joker. Uh, f- Snapper Carr betrayed the team
1: to the Joker and he found their uh, cave. Mm-hmm. And then the Hawkman and the others built the satellite. So, I mean, that's Bronze Age to me. This, this league is a fascinating amalgam of sort of the Detroit era league. Yeah. And the, the JLI era and a little bit of the satellite. And I think that that's intentional because of the character substitution that they had to do in the actual episode. But
0: yeah. And the character um, swap being, uh, Blue Beetle right for the uh, For me the character
1: board. swap was Aquaman standing in for Captain
0: Marvel. Ah, okay cuz so here we have Justice League International. We had Black Canary, Mr. Miracle, mm-hmm. um Shazam, Batman. Oberon, Doctor Light 2, Doctor Fate, Booster and Blue Beetle and Batman yep. and Guy Gardner were right. in the original Justice League International and that of course expanded. Um the Black Canary and Mr. Miracle characters have appeared as background characters in Justice League, or I'm sorry, Batman, Brave and the Bold before. In fact, Black Canary had a uh, more in front in the uh, musical episode. star turned in
1: the music meister,
0: yeah. Um, Shazam, of course, is all over the place. Um, Aquaman is all over the place in this series, and so is Blue Beetle. It would have been interesting to see if they could have brought in Shazam. It would have been interesting to see if they could have included a Doctor Fate character. Uh, And then, of course, uh, Martian Manhunter is introduced in this episode. And I thought he had some... Pretty good comedic lines.
1: I, I could not figure out who did the voice of the Martian Manhunter.
0: Oh, he, could,
1: he sounded question. really familiar, but when I looked on the interwebs, nobody had an answer. But, really? um, All right. I, I yeah, look. I liked the, the vaguely comedic take on the Martian Manhunter. The problems with the electricity in the satellite, you know, were mm-hmm. callbacks to those first few JLI issues where they couldn't quite get the New York embassy together. And I liked his. Uh, they they you know drew them as chocolate chip cookies. Yes, but I liked his sugar addiction coming up. That was kind of cool. Uh,
0: <clears> he <throat> is voiced by Nicholas Guest, is who voices uh, Martian Manhunter. Although is I didn't he like really
1: how they pr- for Guest.
0: Uh, no, uh, let's see. Nicholas Guest is uh, Nicholas Hayden Guest, born 1955, voice actor, boy- best known for role as the principal in the NBC teen sitcom USA High. So probably not a, let's see. That he's, echoing uh,
1: sound you hear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's see, he's in Ben 10, he's in, he's been in the Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. So he's, he's a voiceover actor. Uh, some people may know him from the uh, Roughneck Starship Troopers Chronicles, uh, and then Batman the Brave and the Bold, he also voices the question. In that series, and I guess that's another question I have about the voice actors that we see pop up in this series. They tend to mm-hmm. use a lot of the same voice actors throughout the piece. So we have like uh, Green Arrow, and I want to say Aquaman are the same character. I don't maybe believe so. I'm sorry, Green Arrow and Guy Gardner are the same character. There we go. Yeah. Does that bother you that they just can't say uh, pull somebody else up to uh, to step up and do this?
1: Not really. No, because I mean, aside from the obvious obnoxious tendencies like what i refer to as the rugrat school of funny voices mm-hmm. i don't mind having a character you know a voice actor do double duty if you listen to the cartoons that we grew up on have that a lot
0: well yeah with mel Blanc doing you know most of those yeah. voices
1: but if you go back to you know like say even super friends you would hear danny dark as you know incidental characters as well as superman mm-hmm. and you'd hear ted knight as additional characters meanwhile I or do you him. know Exactly.
2: And don't get
1: Casey him. Well, and Casey Kasem can do anything. <laughs> but, you know, <clears throat> for me, it, it goes back to the days of, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Rough and Ready.
0: Yes, unfortunately.
1: Rough and Ready is Dawes Butler and, um, uh, I can't remember the other guy now, uh, Dawes Butler and uh, the other big Hanna-Barbera guy, not Dick. Anyway, it's just those two guys. Mm-hmm. For an entire half hour episode. And the two of them are talking back, you know, back and forth. And right. at some points, you'll actually hear two characters back to back, the same voice actor. It's basically just two guys. So to me, that's not necessarily a problem. I'm actually a little flummoxed by the utilization of um of uh the kid from that thing you do as booster again. Because he did the voice of Booster in the Booster episode of Justice League Unlimited. Mm, okay. uh, not Thomas Hayden Church, but Tom Edward, Tom Everett Scott. Okay. Was the voice of Booster there and then carried over, which, you know, he's a great Booster voice. Mm-hmm. But it's – I don't know. I
0: like, I like his – I like the portrayal of Booster Gold. This cheese – I mean, <clears> just <throat> total cheese, total, hey, ladies, kind of – I mean, but without that swarm oh, – yeah. But it's more like jocks, jocksmarm, you know, (laughs) believe me, you don't want to get a case of jocksmarm. Um, But just the way he comes on to fire and ice and how they totally shut him down and this whole play of. uh, of, And they
1: unintentionally shut him down, I think, because ice doesn't even realize she's given him the cold shoulder.
2: What about this,
0: this character of ice? Now, this is the first time we've seen her. I believe we have seen Firestorm in the Starro episode as a background character. I don't fire has shown up.
1: Yeah, I, I don't and think fire. We've seen fire ice had seen. a turn in jail. You, but uh, at the time ice was dead. Right. So I think you, they, they kept ice dead and then they brought her back,
0: but I just like I, the, uh, total mix up on her words. Whenever, uh, yeah. Batman is, is talking to the league and he basically says, uh uh, you know uh, the forces are coming from apocalypse ah it's the greeks you know and she, <laughs> apocalypse that no it's the greeks where the parthenon is yes, yes. Where the parthenon is uh, and she keeps blaming the greeks for everything throughout the episode she has some really good some really good lines i thought as well and uh, i thought her character was really well done although of all the characters you know i've mentioned before about when i first saw the animation style i wasn't too um too hung up on it she looks the most anime-ish of all the characters that we saw in the episode. The big eyes, the tiny body. And that's intentional,
1: I'm sure. You know, because they're trying to make sure that she looks sweet and gentle and young, which for me works. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I look at the the brave and the bold style as kind of a throwback because there's a little bit of Bruce Timm in the women. Right. But, I mean, the male characters are even blockier than what he does. You know, it's Mm -hmm. almost a Michael Avon aiming kind of thing from Powers, yeah. where everybody is like cut out of a yeah. slab of granite.
0: Don't, don't uh, rub your finger on your chin or you'll cut open an artery or something. So Exactly. So essentially, this episode features the attack of the Pokéleum forces. We see uh, it's. Apocalyptian. You know, Apocalyptian forces. It's really funny because. Um, the interpersonal relationships between the JLI, or we'll just call them the Justice League characters, is not really great. And then there is the attack upon the Earth, and Martian Manhunter rises up and says, we will fight until this day. I mean, think of all the great lines that you might have ever heard from an invasion movie. And yeah. uh, everyone's like, yeah, and then we cut to they're all captured. Uh, again, more great comedy in here. But the the f- invading forces are led by um, – what's his face? Uh, Calibac. Calibac. And all of the bazillions upon bazillions of uh, of uh, parademons, Parad- and then, as would happen, they're all able to escape, and there's a, it's just fight after fight after fight until Dark Side arrives, yeah. And then it's basically boils down to uh, Batman versus Dark Side.
1: Yep, and Batman loses.
0: Yeah, he and does,
1: and loses pretty badly. I think it's the only time in this show when Batman has just been, you know, physically beaten senseless and left in a heap, which is really awesome, especially considering, you know, and Guy actually calls it out. This is one of the first times, I think maybe the first time that Batman hasn't thrown, you know, the final final punch punch to end it all.
0: And, yeah, a guy makes fun of him, and, and we actually see Batman injured. I mean, he's he's wrapped up at the end of the episode. His chest is all wrapped up, and my son yep. keeps going, why is he all wrapped up like that? I'm like, because he fought the most powerful being in the universe and walked away. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, some other great moments that we see throughout this episode are that I liked or that I picked up on were when we're on the satellite, uh, mm-hmm. when we're in... What used to be Hal Jordan's room, and they mentioned Hal Jordan by name, Booster Gold yep. has set up residence there. And we see all sorts of uh, Booster Gold art on the walls. And some of that has actually appeared in comic book or publicity form before in, uh, through DC uh, publications. Yep. Um, I like the fact that Blue Beetle is always taking pictures everywhere he goes. <laughs> and then even though it's funny, it is actually the, the team's downfall. Is when uh, Booster is constantly tweeting or texting his publicist, which gives away their hidden location.
1: How many D's in Armageddon? (laughs) Now, I like the fact that they were able to reference characters without actually breaking whatever, you know, rules there are. Such as? uh, Big Blue and I once arm wrestled here for 20 minutes. And they didn't say Green Lantern. They said Hal 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 Jordan.
0: But, you know, the the symbol was on the door, so you, you know who it's talking about. We know who Big Blue is. Was there ever in your reading of, of Justice League, Matthew, was there ever a moment where Superman and Martian Manhunter actually had an arm wrestling match?
1: Not that I'm aware of, but they didn't spend a whole lot of time together. The Martian Manhunter disappeared from JLA books for like, God, probably seven, eight, nine, ten years. Oh, OK. <clears throat> he disappeared, I think, slightly before the. Satellite era and didn't come back until eighty three or eighty four. So there was a big chunk of time, yeah, where John really wasn't around much. And I think that if I'm not mistaken, most of the time when you see John in the league, it's to cover that missing Superman presence. Well,
0: see, that's what I was really disappointed that they didn't utilize Martian Manhunter more. I mean, Batman says he's our tactician, but he spent the whole episode trying to work on the air conditioning system in the satellite, and and he could have been really utilized well in a a fight.
1: Yeah, but I think that that would have brought, you know, that would have brought the the point where John would have been the one fighting Darkseid and not Batman, and it's Batman's
0: show. But it would have gone back to the Guy Garner's uh, tease at the end about uh, saying, Batman, how does it feel not to have thrown the final punch or have not to have actually won this fight? Still would have worked that way, I think, but... Maybe we'll see Martian Manhunter again. I, I like that character. I'm not really thrilled about the voice processing that they did on it. It makes him sound like a mechanical robot.
1: I like the echoey voice.
0: That was I, kind of neat. I don't I don't know. I just, I didn't care for that very much. It
1: gave me the effect that he was speaking telepathically.
0: Yeah, but he was moving his mouth. That was the only bad.
1: Right, but it gave me the effect that he was speaking telepathically <laughs> yeah, while yeah. moving his
0: mouth. Yeah. Now that the, he was
1: actually speaking to you. Beaming it directly into your brain at the same time.
0: Right. So ultimately, (laughs) Darkseid is defeated, and it's not by Batman, but it goes back to the question that you had a few weeks ago of, uh, here we had Ditko versus Kirby. We had uh, the question taking on Kalabak, who was a Kirby-generated character, and in this episode, we get that answer.
1: Yes. Yes,
0: we do. And that answer is... Vic Sage
2: wins.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we last we saw him, he was jumping off a platform and then he just disappeared. We didn't see what happened. He just fell too far down for the picture to show up. This episode, he shows up as a parademon in disguise. And all while the team is fighting uh, Darkseid. Yep. The question is in there finding out the reverse frequencies to open up boom tubes all the way around the world and suck back in the forces of apocalypse.
1: Yep. The question's working undercover, which is kind of cool.
0: Now, can he disguise himself as anyone? I always thought he just had the magic sticky stuff to put on his face and the chemicals to change his clothes back and right. forth he, from Vic Sage and the question.
1: The question does not in comics have the power to do that. That actually resembled more um, the power that Nemesis had.
0: Mm, okay. um,
1: Nemesis, who was recently in um, Final Crisis Aftermath. Uh, fight or whichever oh, yeah, one. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Final crisis aftermath comes lunch. But um, <laughs> now, again, uh, they may be, you know, bringing characters together because Aquaman doesn't have the ability to control water the way he does in the series either. That's well, spot. I
0: mean, that was the other thing he does. He does have the ability to control water in this episode that we see, I guess. It, and again, I don't pay that much attention to Aquaman. In the series, but this time, I did notice that he's calling forth w- water to cut his chains to form shields uh to send this giant burst of water at at dark side, yeah,
1: and I think that uh, again, I think that they did that intentionally. that's Mara's power, oh okay, but if you actually you know remember he and Mara are married, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: Aqua lad is still around, or aqua boy, yeah. whoever it is,
0: yeah. Why do people know. hate? Why do people hate this incarnation of Aquaman? I, I don't know if we've talked about this before on the show or not, but I just think that that character is such a lame character in general. I mean, most people would say Aquaman in a comic book, oh, he's the lamest of all of the the Justice League members. But you know, here is this guy that's big and brash and loud and bold, mm-hmm. and every time he opens his mouth, my God, man, you do not know how to tell a story. <laughs> it's just
1: a <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, he's, he reminds me of uh, Hercules in the 80s in the Marvel Universe.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Prepare
1: to receive the gift, and then he punches in the face. <laughs> yeah. You know? Have
0: at thee, varlet. Exactly. Uh, he does that and a that's lot. What's,
1: that's what's awesome about Aquaman is Aquaman just floating around being a guy. He's not the strongest, although he is, you know, he's being played as one of the strongest characters in the Brave the Bold universe. Yeah. He's, you know, he's our stand-in big guy, especially... If you see him facing off with Gorilla Grodd in the Music Meister episode, which is most of my,
0: you really do watch. It. I, I'll try to watch it's it tonight awesome. if I have a chance.
1: So, but go ahead. He's, I mean, he's the character. First of all, he's voiced by Bender, yes, which you gotta love. Right. And he's so he's so fun and boisterous, and he's almost manic depressive in his appearances because there's one where he's just so. Oh, bruh, yeah, oh yeah. there's a, he's fun in this state and he's like you know he is the kingly character without being you know black panther serious which i really enjoy
0: the thing that i missed though about the aquaman character of late is and we shall call this adventure the time i brought down Darkseid with my little friends you know that kind of a (laughs) of a with batman yes
1: yeah i think they're mellowing him a little bit and i'm bringing him into the jli like this you know well clearly it does two things he takes the the you know The big guy who's basically kind of white bread role, that Captain Mm -hmm. Marvel role, Captain Marvel role, but it also puts him in a position where nobody else in the group provides that sort of, yes, we shall fight and enjoy (laughs) the battle. And we shall call it Aquaman's Adventure Destroying the Creature from the Id with Batman.
0: (laughs) I'm wondering though, would it have been, would this have been a better episode if they had also included Shazam on the team? Or not. I, I or would think that have been that, too many powers? I think the
1: decision to not have Captain Marvel, to not have Doctor Fate, and to not bring John directly into combat was intentional. Okay. Because then it allowed the five characters, the six characters who got, you know, captured by the parademons mm-hmm. to be realistically captured. Something that wouldn't really have happened to Captain Marvel right. or the Martian Manhunter or Doctor Fate. Plus, six characters is a lot. It nine. is a lot. The cartoon would be really impressive.
0: Well, and that was my, I guess, you know, I'm glad that they had fire and ice in there because that's a team. I'm surprised that when the hitting of the male characters on the female characters went on, that it wasn't Guy on ice and uh, Booster on fire. um, Because that's how it kind of played out in the comic books. I'm also surprised because of that Mantis uh, lead in uh, story that we didn't see Stargirl on the team because it seemed like at the end of that bit where Blue Beetle is talking with Batman. It's almost like they were testing her to see if she was team-worthy material. Right.
1: I think that they were trying to intentionally evoke classic League stories. Mm-hmm. I'll bet you somewhere down the line we'll have a big JSA schmageggy, too. Oh, uh, that would be pretty cool. And Stargirl will show up and Jay will show up, you know, have the Justice Society members appear again and have them reform the society to teach the new kids. That would be pretty cool. Very I cool, think, I think.
0: Matthew, what are your three favorite moments of this uh this week's episode?
1: Um, I think my my favorite moments in descending order, actually in no order because I can't remember them. In Dark descending probably, order. Or where where the Parthenon is? <laughs> I love that one. I also loved Is this skirt too short to fight crime? Maybe it's no, not short. No, no, maybe it's not short enough. And then I loved uh the moment where the entire satellite goes dead and Skeets is like, "There seems to be a problem with the electrical
0: system, sir." Yeah, yeah. My, <laughs> Although my,
1: Skeets shining the light on Booster's face and blowing the wind the to tousle fans. his hair was hysterical.
0: Yeah, I my three favorites are when uh, Martian Manhunter. Uh, was getting ready to work on the system, and, and Skeets slides up and says, "You know, I am well versed on over a million different kinds of air conditioning systems." And uh, Martian Manhunter basically says, "Oh, great! Somebody else who thinks they know more than me." And he's kind of referring back to Batman. Yeah, the second one that I thought was uh, really really cool was the uh, um the combined powers attack on Dark Side where it's Aquaman throws his water and ice throws her ice on top of that. And then we've got uh, uh, Booster putting his in with blue and then uh, fire and uh, Green Lantern all at the end. And it just is this big swirling mass attack. I just I thought that was well animated and played out. And then, of course, the um, the final best part uh, of the episode for me was uh, not the face, not the face. (laughs) <laughs> every time they were getting in a fight and booster screaming that out. Those were some really good moments, but the animation I thought was really well done. Voice acting was done. I was yep. a little disappointed that this was not a two part episode. Starro gets two parts. Darkseid doesn't get two parts. Come on.
1: I think that was intentional too. Probably. I don't think this was Starro was meant to be a big dramatic dun dun, And this was kind of a, you know, a fun, familiar, hey, remember the JLI episode? Yeah. Hey, remember the 80s? It, it, was, it was that. <laughs> Do you want to see it more of this? It was kind of uh, like a team-y? retro review.
0: Do you want to see this? I team-y? think we will. All right. Uh, give this one a, a star rating, if you will, out of five stars for us. Four. I'm going to give four as well on this one. I thought it was well done. And uh, I look forward to uh, seeing this week's episode and chatting with you about that in the near future. Hopefully listeners you enjoyed this. I don't know, we'll see how often we can do it. I think most people got a little kick out of this little bonus episode and the fact that Matthew and I can apparently talk ad nauseum about uh, uh Batman the Brave and the Bold and some of the history. And yeah, we yeah. thought we'd try it again this week and see how it works. Let us know and just send us an email to podcast. Remember originally we John
1: ate Oreos. Yes, I know. They, they call them Chacos, Chacos, Chacos now, but they were they were Oreos back before the days of branding.
0: Yes, exactly. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. We will see you, uh, I guess, check out tomorrow when we've got another podcast coming your way. And don't forget uh, this weekend, we've got another episode of Critical Hit, so stay tuned for that. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again real soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers Forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers.
2: Fat Dick's had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. As soon as the comic book so guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! Like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the hard cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read up on all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast being shot up in a fun, being the middle of with a King Santo throwing soldier. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler, yeah. Major Spoilers. Major Spoilers Podcast. Copyright 2010.